It's Sunday. I love Sundays. I love having opportunities to be able to come and meet with you and interact with you and connect. See how maybe your week's gone. See maybe what is going to happen this coming week. But more than that, I, I love coming together with God's people. And to be able to lift our voices. And to be able to open up God's Word. And be able to pray boldly. Come into God's presence. I'm sure it's been quite a week for some of you, but, but I'm so glad you decided to come today. That you decided to come here and meet with God's people. I still got to believe here in my new neck of the woods that there's a whole lot of lakes and rivers and other things you might want to do or be pulled to. None of them will be as good as here. I'm just letting you know. But I do know it's out there. You know, every Sunday we gather to worship and to sing and to praise and to serve and to give and to open up His Word. We're teaching families to know and obey and enjoy Christ. You know, I missed being with you last week. I was so grateful that Dr. Peterman was here. And uh, maybe you were gone too. Maybe you weren't in the area. But I know this, is that as we kind of spread out all over our country, and we kind of focused on the celebration of our country, there's kind of some good times and some hard times. For me, can I just share a little bit with you about my journey last week? Is, is that okay? A little pastoral privilege right here, just kind of deviate one moment. I had the opportunity, and, and again, if some of you received, and, and hopefully most of you receive, our shepherd staff. But I, I wrote in there that Sharon and I would be up north at Silver Birch Ranch celebrating the 50th year of God's faithfulness. And for many of you, you, you probably don't exactly know about this camp, and, and I'm not here to give you 50 years of history at this moment. But I started there when I just graduated eighth grade. And it's been an unbelievable journey for me. And we had an opportunity last Saturday, although it lasted a little longer, to celebrate with a multitude of people. Well over 600 people on that one Saturday that have come back and just said, hey, this place is pretty special. Not because of the raft trips or the horses or the waterfront, although all that's kind of cool. It really is because my life was changed at that place. It's so exciting to go back to spots where, where God got a hold of you. And what was exciting for me without spending too long here it was 50 years of God changing lives. But what I saw was 50 years of God using fragile clay jars. People that weren't always the most skilled. People that were way too young to do what they were supposed to be doing. Very immature. Times where the motives were totally wrong. 
I'm the chief. I am. But I saw God work. And lives and people changed. And it was exciting to see how God really shouted, at least for Sharon and I, and a boatload of others, God's faithful. God is faithful. And you know what? We need that shot in the arm sometimes. Because we look around and our world is hard. Isn't it? Things seem unfair. You wonder what life's going to look like. And to be able to focus in one little area, one little time. God, you are so amazingly faithful. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of your family and part of your work. Well, this is the time you've all been waiting for. You are anticipating this. You are right at the edge of your seats. I was going to say sheets. Uh, Seats. We're not doing well, that well today. Okay. But this is our last in our 17th week in First Peter. No applause, please, because it would hurt my feelings. But um, we've been in First Peter, where this apostle shares in a letter with a group of kingdom patriots how to live as exiles, or foreigners, or temporary residents, or sojourners, all while anticipating the next life. That this life is a precursor. And Peter, from the very beginning to the very end. I'm wondering, as you read through, as you studied with us, there's a verse, or a passage, or a word that has just made a difference in your life. Now, I get it, I'm the teacher, and I'm the pastor here, and and maybe I dig in just a little bit more. But there are verses, and and we're going to do a recap at the end, but, but there are some verses and some passages that I have just immersed myself in. And it's been so good. It's been good for my soul. And I hope it's been good for yours. Well, Peter continues all the way to the end of this letter. We're going to focus on the last five verses. To pour out his heart as he hammers home the message, you have to trust God. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the eyesight. You don't have the plan like God does. So Peter says, trust God. Be humble. Trust God. Give all your worries to God and trust your dad. Stay alert. The enemy is dangerous. Keep trusting God. So this morning, we're going to close this letter. If you want to turn your Bibles or your flat screens to 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading at verse 9, right? Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that all your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore and support and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. I've written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. 
My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that you are experiencing or, or that you are experiencing is the truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. Your sister church here in Babylon, or probably Rome, sends you greetings, and so does my son Mark. Greet each other with Christian love. Peace be with all of you who are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you again just for Peter's letter. I thank you for the way that has encouraged my soul. I thank you for the way, Lord, that today I can go to you, and it is so relevant. I know he wrote it, Father, to a group of people who were hurting and discouraged and suffering. Their jobs had been lost, their lives had been taken, all because they wore the Jesus jersey. And we know, God, that um, at least right here in this neighborhood, that's not how our lives are. But we know, God, that there are hurts and discouragements. And, and there are circumstances and situations that we don't exactly get. And you keep saying, trust me. So I just, I just want to say thank you, Lord. I want to say thank you that we can come boldly into your presence that we can bring our heart's desires to you. And that you, God, will be sufficient for us. Father, I pray for a few other area churches. There are so many churches that, that name the name of Jesus in our neck of the woods here, God. But we know that there, is a, there are a multitude of people just gathering and, and worshiping you today. There are three churches that have come to my mind, Father, and, and I pray even at this moment, God, that, that you would just encourage these churches. I, I pray for the Connection Church. I pray for Grace Point, and I pray for Emmanuel. Lord, I know that these pastors and these people love you, and we pray, God, that you would use your word powerfully to equip and unleash an army of people. We thank you again for your word, and we ask again, Father, that nothing I say would distract from what you want us to hear today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's, let's look at uh, verses 9, 10, and 11 of chapter 5. We went over just a little bit of this uh, two weeks ago, the last time we had spoken, but it just flows, so I just added that right in there. Stay alert, Peter says, excuse me, stand firm, Peter says, against him, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you. And he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever. Amen. Peter ends up saying, stand firm against the evil one. And be strong in your faith. Keep trusting God. The enemy is going to rise its ugly, raise its ugly head. The enemy desires deeply to pounce, 
to devour, to destroy, to suck life from you, where Jesus desires to give you life. So, so, so hey, be aware. Stand firm. Keep trusting me. Because Christians, at least at this time, all over the world are suffering exactly in the same way. There's a lot of people in your boat, and there's a lot of people hurting, and there's a lot of people who are obeying God and listening to God, and life is not making sense. Remember, every one of us, we kind of have this mentality, God, if I listen to you, I'll keep my job. If I listen to you, God, I'll never get cancer. If I listen to you, God, you know what? My family will always stay together. You know, and we start putting all these expectations there. But actually, God never promised that. God promises us his presence, which is actually way better than any of the other things in our life. And then he goes, and literally, if you understand this next part, it blows your mind. Because this is what Peter says. Because of God's mercy, and by the means that Jesus Christ gives you as believers the strength, you will be restored, supported, confirmed, strengthened, and placed on a firm foundation. And what Peter is really trying to describe is you will be glorified. Way back, millions of years ago when we started this book, we talked about how full salvation is. And we're going to mention that again in just a moment. But part of God's glorious salvation... It's called glorification. It's called eventually when you shut your eyes here on the planet, you are going to be blown away by what God has planned for you for all of eternity. We try to describe it. We read the scriptures, but we do not have any idea what God has planned for his kids once they're home. Really, what he's saying is, my presence is enough for now. My grace is sufficient. Trust me. You will be spending eternity in an unbelievable place. But right now, life is hard. Eternity with Christ is the prize. It was good news for those people who are suffering back then. And it is great news for people right here at Crosspoint Church. Then he ends up and goes, all power and authority to him forever. Well, as you continue to read, Peter writes well here and actually summarizes the whole book. And if some of you are following me, you could have said, well, Rick, uh, 17 weeks ago, couldn't we have just kind of gone over this verse? It's the old summary. I like the old Cliff Note version of this. And, and we could have gone on to something different. Peter writes, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 12. I have written and sent this short letter to you with the help of Silas, 
whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. My purpose, and if you're writing your Bibles or highlighting your flat screens, I would do it right here. This is huge. My purpose in writing is to encourage you and assure you that what you are experiencing, quote, or parentheses, suffering, is truly part of God's grace for you. So stand firm in God's grace. Stand firm in His purpose. This really should bother or absolutely ignite you. I don't think you can just sit there. I really don't. Peter says this, I want to encourage the church. Pump their tires. Prep them well for life. Remember, Peter's an elder. Peter is a shepherd. Peter says this very clearly. He says, you know what? You are going through some horrific times. I want to make sure you're prepared for it. I want to make sure you do well in your marriages. We approach some of that. I want you to be one of the greatest employers in the world and employees. I want you to have joy in spite of circumstances. And he goes through all this. I want to just prepare you every single day for life. Because I'm your shepherd. And I care about you. So all the way through, and as we do our recap, it's going to be unbelievable. I mean, you guys are going to go with your head spinning. I I just really believe that by the time we're done. But he goes, I want to encourage you. But on the same level, he uses and. Encourage you, and that's where we want to stay. And to remind you that your circumstances or suffering are given because of God's grace. That doesn't sound right. Whoa, whoa. You mean because God is a gracious God, he's a good God, he's a loving God, he's an awesome God. I am going to go through suffering and hurt and pain? Excuse me, time out. How about if you be a gracious God and protect me from all that? That would be better, in my opinion. I really love having a bigger bank account. Great, great idea. And you put it in the blanks. But that's not what Peter said. Under the authority of the Almighty God. He says, you will experience God's grace during the difficult times. That God is gracious to allow you to go through some of the hurts and the pains that every one of you do so that you might run to the arms of the Father. Because most of us, when things are going well, we pray less. We read less. We talk to God less. And we even deceive ourselves that maybe it's because I'm a great manager. I'm a great dad. I am a great neighbor. I am a... And you put it in there, and all of a sudden, who needs God because you are pretty great? But as soon as you get that call from the doctor, and it's out of your hands, and that little spot 
was discovered. Oh. Do you want that? No. You don't. But there is something about whatever it is. When you get called into your boss's office and say, you know what? Your time is up. How? When you go time after time for that job interview and they keep going, well, you know what? You were kind of like right there. We just took the person right above you. Well, how many times can you hear that? How many times? And God says, those are the times that you feel my arms. What I didn't tell you about this week is that it was a real hard 4th of July. Not because I don't love our country. But we got news, Sharon and I got news, um, that Mark Abedicola died suddenly of a heart attack. Now you don't, I'm really sure you don't know Mark, and you don't know Jennifer, his wife. But Mark and Jennifer actually grew up at Silver Birch Ranch. Jennifer is the one who um, right now is in charge of all of Harvest Bible Chapel's children's ministries. A key person in the ministry there. Huge ministry. Uh, Mark was the superintendent of the Harvest Schools in Elgin. Over all the, the different teachers and everything. He's 53 years old. His brother David was the pastor that I went to Arizona to teach at his church. And David, who is just a little younger, is one of the trustees at Silver Birch. And David was also, David's wife was the one who asked Sharon to speak at their women's retreat just earlier this year. So this 53-year-old who had kids at Door County, I believe ranging from about 21 to 14, four of them, saw their dad die. Sharon tells me, because I'm not so sharp in this whole Facebook thing, uh, although i got to get with it, huh? Uh, that the accolades that the people who have poured out their hearts for Mark. The difference he has made in our world. Folks, this makes no sense to me. None. And then this week, I read from 2 Kings chapter 23 about King Josiah. And if some of you are on Twitter and you get my tweets, I I apologize. I mentioned this this week because it just was overwhelming to me. You read 2 Kings 23. And if you read the whole book of 2 Kings, it's a sad book. Because this king loved God. This king hated God. Hated God. Hated God. Hated God. This king loved God. This king hated God. Hated God. Hated God. Was evil. 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 
And you read through that. So we get near the end in chapter 23. This little dude, Josiah, comes along. He has an unbelievable relationship with a priest. He discovers the law. He rents his clothes after reading the law and says, Oh God, we're not following anything here. No wonder you're not blessing our nation. And he goes through ruthlessly, not just saying we're going to follow God. He destroys all the pagan temples, all the Asherah poles, all the places and the altar. I mean, the guy goes bonkers. You want to read chapter 23? It is unbelievable. You, you're, you're just, whoa, this is cool. In fact, I put a verse up there, 25. Never before there had been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and there's never been a king like him since. Wow. Now what I didn't put up there, a few verses later, he's out at war. That's what kings do. He gets shot and dies. You read the last few chapters of 2 Kings. And his sons were evil, evil, evil. It plummeted. Again, the nation just went downhill. And I'm going, God, you could have changed that arrow. God, what is wrong? Like, how come I'm, what am I not seeing here? The rest of your loved children go down the tubes. Eventually they get deported off to Babylon because of their great evil. This doesn't make sense. Why don't you keep the really good guy around? That would be really, that's smart to me. Sir Rick, it's a good thing you're not God. It is. Because all I have to do sometimes is you go, okay, Lord, I don't get it. You are king. I am going to trust you. I am going to trust you. I am going to trust you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to trust you. Later today, I'm going to go see Mark's widow. It's hard. But I am really sure God is in control. That's what I am. And Peter hammered it over and over because life is hard, isn't it? We're not treated justly, are we? We don't get what we deserve at times. Sometimes we do, and that's not always good. <laughs> but all Peter did at near the end of his 60 years said, I knew my Lord. I know my God. Would you trust him? I know the suffering 
doesn't make sense. Would you trust him? He's worthy. He is faithful. He can be trusted. Now that is an amazing message. And for 17 weeks, almost, it's been drilled in our heads. This isn't your life. Your exiles. Your foreigners. Trust God. Listen to me above anything else. And walk with me. That's how we end. Trust Him. Stand firm in His gracious ways. Now the recap. The recap. And I'd be very happy if anyone needs, even wants my notes or whatever, but I'm not going to go over chapter and verse of every little principle. But what I am going to do is give you just an overview of the encouragements that Peter said he wanted to do for the church. So that you leave with your tires pumped. And that you also leave knowing, knowing that we can trust God in spite of our situation. Isn't that worth the ticket to get in today? Oh, my word. Let's look at this. First of all, Peter says this. He says, you are foreigners and temporary residents. Folks, it will change your life if you don't put all of your eggs in this basket. It will. You are more generous. You are kinder. You are living for a future. It just changes everything. And he just wanted everyone to know, this is not it. This is not it. He says this, you've been chosen. The God who created the universe, has chosen you to be a son and a daughter who can go boldly into the throne room of God at any time. Oh, yeah. That is pretty cool. You've been cleansed because of what Jesus did and your faith in him. The blood of Jesus cleansed you. And you stand there holy. And again, we talked, holy isn't kind of like a really cool word because you don't like that, but it means clean. So we stand before the Almighty clean, able to communicate, talk to Him, because our God is holy. You've been born again. You've been given a new life. You've been given a new chance to live. You are protected by God's power until you receive your priceless inheritance. What happens in your life happens under God's umbrella. That's kind of cool. You can be glad, even joyful in suffering, because this is not what life is about. It just isn't. You will suffer for obeying God. So keep obeying and trusting your Father. That makes no sense at all. Because you put on the Jesus jersey, because you have integrity, because you listen to God, 
there are going to be some consequences in this world that hates God. That's all. But God says, hey, keep obeying me. The most important thing is obey me and trust me. I'll take care of the situation and the circumstances and the scenarios. This is so cool. This happened almost in the very first weeks. You have a glorious, full, and robust salvation. You have been justified. You stand before the Almighty absolutely perfect because of the blood of Jesus. You are being sanctified. I am being sanctified. We are getting all those things that reflect God poorly chipped away. As we spend time obeying God and listening to God, he says, wager, you don't, let me see this kindness thing. Whoa, we need a little bit more of that. I'm going to chip off this arrogance, and I'm going to chip off this. And, and he just keeps chipping off so, like a Michelangelo. So eventually, the more time I walk with him, the more I reflect Jesus when people see me. I'm kinder than I was 20 years ago or 50 years ago. I'll go even further because I have a greater chance to be kinder. But you put it in, and as you walk with God, chip, 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 and you walk into Walmart, and there's a glow that you love Jesus. It's weird, but you actually treat the cashier differently than you did five years ago. How are you? How are you doing, Joni? Oh, you have a name. No one's greeting me by a name all day long. Well, you know what? I'm really glad that I went to your checkout. Are you flirting with... No, 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 no. I'm way too old for that. You know, I, I just... I'm just an old guy. That's all. You know? And it's different. You get treat police officers when they pull you over for a ticket differently. I know some of you have never been pulled over, but some of us have quite a bit of experience. And you look at that. Well, what makes the difference? When you get a poor grade in school, even if your mother is the teacher, how do you deal with that? You deal with it differently than you did a few years ago if you're walking with God. Okay, i got to keep this moving. All right, um, glorification. You will be glorified someday. You will someday. This, this is what the salvation package is. You're clean. You are becoming, well, more of a representative of God. And eventually when you shut your eyes... And there's always that tug. Do I want to stay and make a difference here, God? Or do I want to party? And every day, I'm leaning more toward the party, God. Let's go. Take me home, you know. No, no, no. I'm more needed here. You know. And you do this dance every day. But that's what we have to look forward to. He says this, Peter. You, you can love deeply. You can love differently because you have Jesus Christ living in you. That is cool. You know the difference it is in loving people. You have God's word. Unbelievable. 
so that you can grow and experience your complete salvation. This word is so tremendous. Unbelievably helpful in life. And convicting. You've tasted God's kindness. You are living stones being put in a spiritual temple that God is building this kingdom. You are chosen, holy, and royal priests, God's special possession. Oh, my word. I mean, again, we spent weeks on this, just certain little aspects. But this is what Peter says these suffering believers are. This is so cool, and and I kind of exploded about this earlier, but you can show others the goodness of God, or you can mirror to others God by respecting everyone. Sometimes you don't respect people because they don't deserve it. But you know what? We can mirror God better by respecting everyone. By loving everyone deeply, especially your Christian brothers and sisters. Love everyone always. We talked about that. You can show others goodness by fearing God. And you can show others the goodness of God by respecting the king. Or the president. Or your bosses. Even if they don't deserve respect. But God says, trust me. Mirror me. He says, you can trust God, in fact, like Jesus trusted God. You can do that. Jesus had this unbelievable relationship. He was just so in tune. He knew when to go to the wilderness, when to talk to people, when to do a miracle. He just was. You just keep trusting God. And you have the capability of trusting like Jesus. Wives, it's a good thing to accept your husband's authority. We spent some time here. But ultimately you're trusting God. Husbands, you're not out of it. It's good to honor your wives. Honor your wives. You have a hope, a hope that's unbelievable that you can share gently and respectfully to everyone that you meet everywhere on this planet. Why do Christians have such poor reputations? Because they've been jerks. Really? I know you haven't, but others. But honestly, if you're sharing the hope you have and the opportunities you have and the growth that you have and the love you have for God and you share it gently and kindly and caringly, you are going to be like a fragrance. It's a perfume. It is something that is, you're being drawn. How cool is that? You each have a spiritual gift. And we learned again that you have it in order to equip the church. Encourage others. Is that even when you don't use a spiritual gift, even though God is sovereign, you miss out. 
talked about elders, the spiritual leaders of every church, and admonished them to care for the flock well. Peter talked about humbling yourselves and trusting God. And how humbling yourselves is, well, taking the same attitude of Jesus, which even though he deserved to be treated like king or creator of the universe, which he was, he chose to be a servant to meet other people's needs. That's what humility is. And so Jesus, or or Peter, says, humble yourself. Let God do the lifting up. You don't have to tell everyone how great you are, how wonderful you are, how much money you make, how much money you don't make. We can trust God. Serve Him. It's not about you. And lastly, nope, not almost. Cast your worries, your concerns on Him, for He really loves you. I cannot even tell you and, and, well, I'm going to go to the last one and then maybe come back. But, and, the, and the last thing that, that really Peter focuses on, hey, stay alert, watch out. Uh, this enemy is like a, pro, uh, a prowling lion. Resist him. There is a spiritual warfare. And honestly, two weeks ago when we started to focus a little bit more on this, and even three weeks ago when we focused a little bit more on caring, um, and, and just tossing everything you can on God. Oh, my word. I look at the different circumstances and situations that I personally have gone in, and, and I think I just came, okay, God, this is it. This is your church. This is your people. This is your situation. This is, and I, I, it's yours. It's yours. I'm not holding on to it. It's yours. It's yours. I think he got a little tired of me. Maybe. And maybe it's just going to keep going. But, but it just rocked my world. Being reminded again that the enemy is ruthless. That stupid clip I showed scared the liver out of me. You know? Like, this is what lions do? Like, yeah. Scary. And that's who you are. You just want to rip me to shreds. And you know what, though? I, I'm, I'm, I'm with the guy that's stronger than you are. I'm going to resist you. You're not going to do this to me. (laughs) Come on, bring it on. I didn't say that. I didn't. You know, I'd I'd like to just focus on this as we we kind of close, and then even today we're going to come around the communion plate and, and the cup. And but the last verse, if you if you turn your Bibles to chapter one, verse twenty one. And this is probably a key verse for, for all of First Peter. At least it felt like that to me as I reread it and, and began to prepare for today. Peter writes this, through Christ or because of Christ, you people have come to trust in God. You're trusting God. It's because of all that Jesus Christ did for you and for me. Now I have access to God. I can trust God. I can listen to God. He's my dad. And you have placed your faith and hope in God. That's trusting God. 
Because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Ah. I don't know what this does to your soul. But my tires are pumped. It's different. Peter was such a gift to me these last 17 weeks. As we dug in and listened to his perspective, the guy who maybe was one of the biggest failures as a disciple. You know, I think maybe Judas gets that award, right? But right below him, Peter's right there. And Peter loves God with all of his heart. He he trusts God. He doesn't get all these circumstances. He's walked through 30, 35 years of these beginning churches. Probably seen it all. And he says, all because of Jesus. His example and his grace. I can trust God. I can talk to Abba. Let's pray. Father, I I just am overwhelmed by your words. So grateful, God, that, that you show up, that you teach us, that your Holy Spirit is absolutely active, prompting and, and poking and encouraging. And Lord, as I look around the folks in these chairs, I know. Life has not been hard. I know, Lord, there's been tears. I know, Lord, there's been times where we don't get it. But God, you are faithful and you are worthy of our trust. And we will trust you. I loved singing today about trusting you. About you being our rock. About you being our stability. Because, God, you are a rock. So today, as we just kind of close this little part of our journey here at Crosspoint, we pray, Lord, that your word is powerful. And it will continue to do its work in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.